You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Claire Lehman. Claire, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks so much for having me. Claire, we're going to talk about your work. Um, and, and to begin with, what's, what's happening now? We're talking on June 8th in 2022. What are you working on in, in your studio? Well, I am kind of beginning a new group of paintings. Uh, the studio was a bit bare after my recent show at David Lewis, and um, I had a couple paintings uh, at Freeze, so now there's sort of a uh, the proverbial uh, blank studio wall, uh, and that's a really fun moment for me because I'm constantly sifting through various sources and kind of figuring out what resonates for material to build new compositions from. And as I'm making a new body of work, I'm also thinking about the kinds of variety and types of imagery that I would want to um, be in a, in a sort of suite of paintings, which is for me typically fairly uh, varied. Um, you know, there is a, a, sort of a unifying uh, set of topics or things that I'm after, but I'm, I'm sort of always looking for uh, how the parts will inform the whole. And so that's, that's where I'm at now. I've started a couple, and I'm in the generation process for uh, what will be the rest of the um, compositions for this, this grouping. Well, that sounds exciting, yeah, to be in a, in a, in a studio with empty walls and, and kind of beginning all these new works. So to talk a, a little bit about, um, you know, as, as, as you said, there's, you're, you're working with similar themes and bringing in new ways to uh, explore those themes. Um, the themes are, are in part about, about representation and, and, and realism itself, right? What, what part of that theme, if, if we can go into that, are you exploring now in, in terms of painting? Yeah, well, I'm always trying to get at the, those central themes in a sort of slant-wise way. So, uh, and I guess kind of what, um, what I try to create with, uh, with every composition, though of course I don't always succeed, is to bring together images from various sources that um, maybe kind of induce a sense of like recognition or familiarity for the viewer, but at the same time uh, have mystery <laughs> remain or pleasant confusion or just a sense of, of images that kind of can resonate over time and, and context. So. And so, to be honest, actually, the the compositions really come out of me mining all the material that I, um, you know, use as sources and finding something that just clangs like a bell and makes me think, like, oh yes, this has the sort of the harmonics, the overtones of of meaning and strangeness that that I'm looking for. I guess more specific to your question, um, you know, I'm I'm often looking through printed matter related to uh, specific histories of painting and, as you say, specific histories of representation. So um, 
I'm sort of interested in various vintage technical material around um, sight and optics and photography and and all of that uh, those related fields and and sometimes these uh, these two modes come together uh, in ways that are uh, hopefully surprising and interesting. They are surprising and interesting and and, and really evocative to to speak to perhaps, you know, one painting that was in a recent show, and we can talk about others, but there was one called The Mocking of Nature, um, which is oil on canvas and has what looks like kind of dismembered hands and arms. And I'd, I'd love to hear about this because I, I imagine it's about our, our historical paintings. This, this specifically reminds me of um, Fra Angelico uh, fresco in, I think, San Marco or something, but that may be really a stretch and out there, um, the mocking of Christ, I think. Um, can, can you, is, is that a, did that relate or um, can you tell me a little bit about that painting? Yes. Um, what a, what a great eye you have. That is uh, my, well, the, I suppose the title was my little hint <laughs> about that, but uh, I have always loved that specific uh, painting and the, I guess you could say the, the sort of strategy of in Fra Angelico's painting, um, I guess you could say the, the disembodied hands in that image are sort of trying to get at uh, how to insert narrative into a static image, right? And there's a sort of odd magic to it. <laughs> it looks as though, you know, sort of uh, strange magic tricks are being performed around Christ's head. Um, this is, of course, a contemporary read on a on the subject, but. Uh, so, in fact, in my uh, in my painting, the disembodied hands are um, essentially cribbed from multiple paintings, all dealing with the same genre, which was uh, Madonna in the Rose Garden. So, mm -hmm. over, I think, probably three or or more centuries, just kind of. Uh, magpieing my way through this material and <laughs> stealing it for my own purposes. Uh, well, it's, it's, fasc it's fascinating material. I think it's, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's fair to do that. I, I, it's, it's interesting that that is, I mean, some of the paintings you're drawing from Fra Angelico, I mean, to, to speak to those a little bit, I, I remember the, I, I saw those in person. I was there as a, as a college student and, and after, and I remember walking through by those little cells and looking in there, and there's something about the paintings, the frescoes, that were, um, I mean, not every single one, but some of them, and particularly this, the, the one, the, the Mocking of Christ, were completely arresting. Like, something's going on there that we couldn't figure out, or that I couldn't figure out. I was alone, and I remember even seeing, like, you know, these tourists coming in, snapping a picture of every single cell, and then suddenly they come to one, and they have to lower their camera, and they're looking because they don't understand what they're seeing or something, you know? I mean, this is way before surrealism. There's something happening there pictorially that's similar to what you're doing that, I mean, you mentioned a kind of a magic, but it's, it's something I've never understood what was happening in, in, in that painting, um, do you have any insights into that? Because it seems in a way you're, you're tapping into that kind, of, uh, that kind of magic, but that also sort of like misunderstanding. We're trying to put this puzzle together and we can't quite. And, and there's yet another element that seems like it's mystical or I, I don't know how to name it. 
Yes, I, I totally agree. I I feel exactly the same way about that painting, and I I don't think that I have any central insight into how how he did it or what what's uh, resonating there. But that feeling of uh, oddness or kind of slippage, I don't know if that's the word that you used, but I, I am very interested in those moments in representation where something strange and arresting is, is happening. And I, I, that is sort of central um, to many of the compositions that I try to make that, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, again, are sort of dancing around this issue of um, the, the difficulty of representing these kinds of experiences, uh, not to be too vague, but um, no, that, that, that's not too vague because because it's vague. What I was saying too, in, in in trying to kind of you know look into a painting and understand why it has a kind of magnetic quality, but to 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 layer that over just what you're talking about in a in a painting like um, Late Findings, which is very different subject matter, and and we're we're still dealing with the same issue, as well as other works in that show. It feels like. Um, as I looked at the paintings, uh, both in person and, on, and online, it's, it's as though I'm trying to complete them almost. Um, I'm, I'm trying to put together something that's a, that I don't quite understand what I'm seeing, and that's part of what these are, are after. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What was it about late findings that, um, that you felt like you had to complete? I'm curious. Well, late findings, you know, it... I initially saw it as figurative and um, and as kind of gestural, and, and I hesitate to say this because I feel like I'm totally reading my own thing into the painting, but I saw it as movement. I saw it as bodies. I saw the bodies as being um, positioned towards one another as if in a dance or a movement or, or were they flowers opening, but I, I read it as, as this kind of movement in space that... Um, that didn't have the elements that I needed to tell me exactly what kind of movements and in what kind of space and what these, these bodies or not bodies are, but that's what I was trying to, to kind of explore. And, you know, by looking around these shapes, which were beautiful in the colors, um, I saw it as a, a relationship of, of bodies. And I, I hesitate to be that specific, but there it is. You asked. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's fine. I mean, um, well, maybe I can elucidate slightly. I, they they are bodies, although, as I understand it, um, technically, we're not really seeing bodies, but we're seeing sort of measurements of reflected light. And, of course, that's true in all photography, but specifically from the source that these were taken from, uh, which is a sort of uh, category of imaging uh, tests that are performed um, in, in labs where scientists are working on these issues of computer vision. Um, so this is specifically uh, a scenario where um, the sort of vectors of light are being measured for various technical applications. And so, and the sort of like oddness or glitches in these sort of shell bodies uh, comes from the shortcomings of the, of the technology or the, or the lighting situation in which that data was captured. So, yeah, and, and I guess maybe it seems um, 
yeah, a bit uh, all over the place to go from Pra Angelico to the lab. But for me, these are all sort of, uh, there's like a centripetal thing happening, which is sort of this centering around, um, yes, as you said, you could say like strategies of representation, or for me, uh, sort of this like meta category of mimetic strategy, which is uh, you know, a centuries-old thing in the West, in this Western tradition. Um, and so that's, that's a, a unifying field for me. That's clear. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that, that does um, draw a nice line between those two. And, and so, you know, especially talking about that kind of computer or kind of AI visualization of space that's, that's so interesting and, and, of course, is kind of runs in some ways against, like, how, how do we see? So when you're exploring um, new issues in your studio now, is it, is it about, as before you paint, are you exploring other new technologies or ways of seeing, or how does, I guess I'm asking about the research a little bit in, in terms of how you begin and get into these um, quite complex issues, both, both visually and in some ways technically? Yeah, that's a great question. I try to go down uh, many rabbit holes, um, I guess both into the past and um, in in more present uh, situations. So I sign up for sort of like technical email briefs and I order um, a lot of printed matter from used booksellers. And, uh, you know, often there's like a pretty low hit rate. So I'm sort of scanning these uh, places of possible interest to see what comes up. And, and then there, you know, so it'll, I'll sort of see what's going on in computer vision or see what's going on um, for my, you know, touchstones of the art historical past. And, uh, and I think, you know, so I, I should say also that I work very slowly. I, the surfaces of the paintings are very worked over and that's very, uh, important to me, perhaps really only important to me and very few other people, but I really um, am interested in making like a very concentrated surface that has a lot of attention and care poured into it, which is a pretty time-consuming way to paint. And in addition to that, it, it does take me a long time to uh, find an image that is kind of worthy of that level of time and obsession. And the kinds of images or sort of imagery that I find interesting is, is kind of scarce. So there's, a, it, yeah, sometimes it's, it can feel like a long process to sort of have everything coalesce and come together and for the painting to begin and be finished. And, and in the works that, that were in the, the last show um, at David Lewis, which we're, we're talking about um, to some degree or, or moving around them, one thing I've found, especially like post-pandemic, as I go to galleries, is more and more is is the scale of the work, right? The, it's it's one thing looking, you know, you're talking about research and computer vision, and you know, these are all things we see online, and then we go to a gallery and we see a painting is, you know, 24 by 24 inches, or it's, you know, six by six feet. It's a, it's a different experience, and we and we experience which you started talking about as well here, the surface of the painting, right? The, the, the work you're putting into the surface. So um, what I'm asking is in, in, in terms of like this exploration and computer vision and, and, and other technologies, 
How does that relate to also the final presentation, which is in a gallery, on a canvas, of a certain scale, in a certain space, because that also changes how we're seeing things, which I, I'm realizing more profoundly than ever, you know, in the last few years, these interviews have been done with seeing work online. And now that I can see it in person, it's, it, it strikes me as a, I mean, of course, a completely different experience, but in terms of what we're talking about, that's, that's where it ends up. So, so is that where the art historical past and computer vision come together in, in a sense, this, this kind of how you decide what the scale and, uh, and, and kind of, approach to actually physically viewing this is? Yes. Well, scale is an interesting thing. I, I've always been drawn to small-scale things, and I, I really love that experience of being close into something. And uh, <laughs> I was reminded, really, maybe that this is not super usual when I was chastised like no less than three times at the um, the installation of the Frick at, <laughs> on, on Madison in the, in the Breuer building because I just kept getting up way too close <laughs> to the Vermeer and the Memling and was getting, you know, uh, told to keep my distance. But for me, it's so, um, it's so wonderful to... Uh, pour over the surface of something. And I, you know, the, the period of art history uh, that is uh, kind of most energizing for me, let's say like the 15th century, uh, broadly speaking, um, and the kinds of paintings that were made at that time, devotional paintings or small altarpieces or things that were um, in many cases made for um, kind of private devotional use, um, have that immediacy and intimacy and uh, we're sort of made for a for a face to be up close to it and the kinds of surfaces that resulted to me are just so extraordinary and I'll sort of never get over how much I love um, what it's like to look at that level of detail and care on gosh I mean something as small as you know eight by ten inches maybe smaller sometimes so yeah. that is an experience of looking that has always been important to me. And I think as a painter, I am naturally drawn to a really high level of, let's say, caretaking per square inch. Um, big, big, bigger paintings are hard for me in that way because just the, the labor becomes, uh, you know, extremely time consuming. So, so I guess this is a long-winded way of saying that I, I often am trying to scale things in a way that uh, that bring people in, in, in that kind of relationship. Um, but it is also mediated by um, how much information I have, so to speak, from the, the source material that I have, sort of like how, how much could this scale up and still provide the kind of like detail that I desire in my work. I'm so glad you went into that because that is such an issue. And it also mentioned your... Um you know, transgressive behavior at the frick. <laughs> I mean, you know, that kind of getting too close to a painting is also, I mean, almost back to the beginning of like the Fra Angelico, that's a, that's a, a, a visceral almost experience that while you're having that as an artist, that, that, that's also the experience of a lot of viewers, right, to want to come in and perhaps even in the 15th or 16th century paintings you're talking about there, um, 
as you're saying, they're meant to bring us closer, right, to, to actually engage us with that surface, which we don't think a lot about. Oh, yeah. I mean, and those particular ones are so, for me, beguiling. It just mm-hmm. reminded me, as you were saying, um, one of the amazing stories that one of my painting professors used to tell in college, um, this is Nancy Michnik, a very beloved professor of painting, formerly uh, taught for many years at CalArts. Um, anyway, so she would tell the story of an unnamed young Midwestern painter who moved to New York and was astonished uh, when at the Frick um, to be in front of Vermeer's Mistress and Maid, which is the um, painting with that like incredible yellow, uh, I guess you'd call it cloak, that has these sort of pleats on the mistress. Um, and <laughs> she re- recounted how this uh, young painter was so overcome with the immensity of beauty of the surface that he actually um, licked the surface of the painting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and was thrown out of the frick. So, uh, you know, for years I thought that this had to be apocryphal, but uh, so I finally asked her many years later, like, who was this painter that you told, you know, generations of students about? So this painter is now deceased. I still don't know if this is apocryphal, but the painter in question was Ron Gorchov. Uh, I hope I'm not giving away state secrets. <laughs> no, I guess we'll never get to confirm whether or not that's true, but I loved that story so much, and I, um, I'm very into a lickable painting. I love that. I'm, I'm glad you told that story. I want to ask you one more question, which is off topic. What are you reading at the moment? Well, I am reading, I'm sort of switching back and forth between uh, a fiction book and a nonfiction book. Um, the fiction book was actually recommended to me by David Lewis, uh, which is The Recognitions by William Gaddis, which was a title that I'd heard about for years, but mostly in the context of it being enormously difficult. <laughs> and David revealed that, in fact, that is a book about a unwitting forger of Flemish primitive painters which I was delighted and shocked to discover. So starting that, it's great. It's uh, perfect for a painting nerd. Um, so that's a, a very fun one. And the nonfiction book recommended to me by an artist friend is Time Loops by Eric Borgo. It's an extremely odd book, arguing for the validity of precognition and retrocausation. It's pretty far out there. Uh, but also fascinating. That does sound fascinating. Claire, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. It's been a pleasure, and I wish you well in your studio. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.